We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yo, late night. Yeah, what's good? Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. Welcome back, Lucky Lefty Podcast, CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. Honor Boys in the building, SD2 Mics. The original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire, brought to you by Honor Whiskey, honorwhiskey.com, and also malikzaire.com. Yeah, yeah. Be with you for about 30 more minutes. And, uh, you know, we left off talking about Marcus Freeman and taking shots and taking what the defense gives you. And, you know, this is what Coach Freeman had to say, left. <laughs> Be aggressive. We want to push the ball downfield at times, but what we can't have is three and outs. And we can't have a lack of execution and success. And so um, if we're able to push the ball downfield and, and – complete or not complete it, but then continuous to establish drives and move the ball, then I'm okay with it. But when we're, we're not moving the ball or truly um, changing the field position or getting the points on the board that we need, then it's my job to come in and say, okay, what do we have to do to be efficient on offense, right? What do we have to do to make sure that we are moving the ball at a consistent basis on the offensive side of the ball? Marcus Freeman. The way to get better on three and outs is to be good on first down. To be good on first down, we can't be so predictable. I know right now, watching first down, and I haven't even seen the game this week, that we're going to run the football. It's no secret. And because of that, you put yourself in a position where you're not staying aggressive. Aggressive is throwing the ball on first down. Aggressive is being creative enough mm -hmm. to have the defense on their toes because you're game planning for explosive plays. When you're just running standard basic offense, all run right, run left, and then pass, of course that's spelling out for three and out because, one, we don't have the talent to do basic stuff and make it look really good. That was 2015. 2015, we tell you what we was doing and you couldn't stop it. We don't have that offense right now. So you're going to have to get in that bag. I mean, I, 
You watch college football today, you're going to see all type of fun offenses, creative plays, different ways to scheme and attack, pushing the ball downfield. It's just, it's, offenses are just too skilled to not be explosive for a high-level football team. Now, if this was a Virginia, even Virginia got down the field plays for a long time. So, for us, I don't know if it's a perception that we're trying to carry as an offense where we're trying to be so physically tough and that's what we're known for and we're just going to, you know we're running it and we're going to, like, Alabama strategy in 2010, 2012. Everybody know they run that football, just point blank period. But they were... Some monsters of the midway too. <laughs> Perfect example of the uh, probably the the peak of physicality for running offenses was that Alabama Georgia final. I'm talking about the defensive trenches popping popping pads and running backs were running super hard. That was with Brian Robinson and Evander Holyfield's son, and I mean they had some dudes. Swift was in there. That's when running was, mm. but mm-hmm. what did both of those teams also had a passing game. They had a passing game. So even the best teams' run game complements their pass game. It's just what it is. Even if you're a quote-unquote physical running team, it complements the pass game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what's crazy? You talk about the past game. And you're spot on, left. Um. Marcus Freeman sounds like he's, if they take a shot and they miss on the shot, like everything is just wrecked. And and that's crazy. And you can't view shots in a game as an opportunity. Like you have to view shots, number one, is that when you take it, you're impacting the defense because you're putting something on their mind. That's number one. Number two, if you hit, it's a big play. And it changes like, the defense. Yeah, if you, you can't hit say it on the top of the head when you're when they are believing you're selling the run, yeah. That's how you keep defense on their toes. Because yeah. that same play 
you can hand the ball off. Yeah. That's that's how you get people not flying downhill. Not yeah, but handing the ball off, handing the ball off to Aldrich, getting the tackle for loss because your predictable is just as bad as it's a, not acceptable. a shot. It's just not acceptable because it's just at this point to be so high powered running the ball. People know we're running the ball. There's no reason for a TFL because at the end of the day, defenses should always be threatened by the fact that we can hit you over the head at any point. Mm-hmm. And defenses are not threatened by that. No. So when they say pinning their ears back, you can do it for the run too. And it's it's funny because every time I see us in a heavy formation, I'm like, is this the play where we gonna trick them? Is this the play where I feel like I don't know the? I, I hope I don't know the call. But every time, I mean, we don't ran the. It would have been nice to do a play action off of that triple guard tackle tight end pool. We ran 15, 16 times in the game. And, yeah, it was a good run call, but it needs to be complemented with a run, uh, a play action to be able to get points on the board because that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. You're not running good plays to say, oh, we got some positive yards. You're running good plays to get to the end zone. Who cares if you done found the perfect run against how they're playing you on defense? Who cares? Because it goes for seven. It ain't seven on the scoreboard. It's just a first down. So you should be thinking, how do I get 27, 30, a 50-yard? Because you know at this point in the season, 10 weeks in, we can get five or six yards running football. No matter what we run, left, right, pull, pin, toss, draw, we can get five to six. So I think we've proven that to the country that we are running football team, Jerry Parker. Now we got to prove that we're a winning football team, Jerry Parker, by adding things that teams cannot defend. What they say, if you if you guarding a guy like Wimpy, if you start letting him shoot threes and he's dunking on you outside the restricted zone, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. The game is over. But if you get into his mind that he can't shoot threes and he just stuck doing turnarounds and and low post mid range game, that's that's exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And we're giving defenses exactly what they want: non threat from a home run. That's probably the number one thing about our offense. Don't worry about it. They're not looking to go deep. They just not. No deep crossers. No no down the fields. They're not looking for it. So we tell all our safeties to play like linebackers this week. We're not Air Force. Hell, Air Force figured it out. But we don't have that type of run game. Whereas gap discipline and all that. We're we are based our run game off of straight wheel. We have more will than you. <laughs> We're not running nothing complicated offensively. And it's interesting because I remember Marcus Freeman came in and said, Jared Parker is doing the things that we lacked from the year before. That was the whole point. Mm-hmm. He's running this offense to unlock the things that we had untapped as potential, which was obvious the pass game. That's what Jared Parker was coming. Remember, he said, yeah, we're going to do this, and we got this coming. We're going to do this better. I know all, I got a list of all the things we need to do that we didn't do last year. And we're doing the same things as last year. So I don't know if this is something that 
you know, he ran out of ideas from, you know, because he's getting ideas from everybody in the building, you know, Miss Joy, the the, the handyman, uh, the cafeteria lady, uh, you know, administration, dropping some notes in there. Swarbrick done gave him a couple plays, right? But now you look at it and it just doesn't make sense. It's like you're looking at a, something where you're like, why is this not making sense? And we talked a little bit about dysfunction and how it can trickle down into even on the field. Dysfunction from high on up can trickle down and be dysfunctional on the field. And some of that is to play. I think Jerry Parker, what I think if, you know, in a lot of cases, in a lot of different places, people would say he's in over his head. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say. I don't think he went into that offseason thinking he was the number one choice to be in that conversation. I think he was thinking more, okay, my name's in the in the, in the list. Maybe I get something after they hear I'm in the conversation. He didn't think he was going to get it. I'm, I could bet money he didn't think he was going to get it. But to be able to be in that spot now, it's only showing that I see why Marcus Freeman was flying all over the country. I see. And he, Marcus Freeman probably know. And that's why I was taking all them trips. Because mm-hmm. I knew from last year when Jerry Parker was here and sitting in, the, in on those meetings, him and Tommy concocting a bunch of nothing. Concocting a bunch. You don't think Marcus Freeman knew who Jerry Parker was in the beginning? Of course he knew who he was. He was there on the game plan. He was a tight. He was the tight ends coach. So you are heavily, <laughs> especially last year, it's direct communication with the tight end and offense coordinator. It's direct communication. You got Michael Mayer. So, yeah, I don't know what Marcus Freeman expected because you're seeing a less pass from the outside and – somehow more focused on that tight end spot. Mm. It's like, yeah, we fooled y'all that we think we go, we, we stay in on that inside. And it started Ohio State game. It seems like it was like, okay, what am I comfortable in calling? And that's stuff for the tight end. And that's what we did. So when you say, yeah, we missed open dudes down the field, yeah, of course, because we wasn't looking for them. We're sending down it's, – it's like shooting out them flares. Shoot out a flare. <laughs> It's a distraction. Chris Tyree's getting cardio, running sprints down the field just so we can distract so we can find a tight end underneath one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So do I blame Sam? Kinda. Kinda. But I know from a system perspective, they're looking for that tight end or that matchup. But we had matchups all season that we was hoping you would go to. And I think it's been a confidence thing for Sam. Also, I mean, he's not used to ever being in, out of all the games he's played, he's never had a gauntlet like that. Five back-to-back primetime games? Sam probably played a primetime game once a year, maybe. He probably played after 12 o'clock, maybe twice a year. All them games was at noon. He was at home watching Notre Dame by the time his game was over because we was playing late night. 
So he his confidence, a hundred percent, in my opinion, wavered just because of the moments that he had to step in and be that dude. He thought Duke was gonna be the last. No, Duke ain't the last. Duke was the start. Mm-hmm. That four for sixteen, you thought, yeah, that was great, but you got to repeat success. It don't get no easier. So it goes back to you need a dude for that position because of the gauntlet. Now, after this season, hey, shit, we could, we, I would take a Sam again. I mean, look at the schedule. But I would also be, if I had a Sam, I would be training a young gunslinger to get ready for that second season. So I always got one in the pocket. But that's being real with knowing who you have. If I got Sam Hartman, he's a regular season quarterback. He'll win you the easy games in the regular season. But I'm training Kenny Mitchie the whole time. Because when we get in the playoffs and Sam starts to waver, I should depend on Kenny to go in there and, and get us that win. Because we're talking about a guy that we we think it could be a potential dude as opposed to a guy that can get us to where we want to go. Well, I'm going to take Malik out of serious mode, make him happy again, because he's analyzed this, and this is Malik Zaire's film analysis of one deuce knight right here on the lucky lefty podcast and deuce dropped his mixtape left that's right i said i was watching i watched it a couple times he he he, he dropped his mixtape what do you see from deuce the one thing i like about deuce knight is that you instantly see a raw athleticism added to the position is he the most polished dude in the world no but what I love is that he can do stuff like this. And this is the stuff that, when in doubt, Sam has had opportunities. He's just not athletic enough to make the defense pay. We got a guy in Deuce Knight that all that trust stuff and being a great practice player sounds really good. But none of them guys got what this kid has when everything breaks down. And that's just a natural ability to find green grass, whether that's moving in the pocket to find the pass or seeing a lane for the run that he's going to take. That raw dynamic ability and being electric in doing it is really what college football is about. Because at the end of the day, none of these quarterbacks are consistent enough to operate out of the pocket 80, 90% of the time. You're going to need to be have some backyard skill to you to make up for some of these tough downs where the defense may have you. It ain't that many great college coaches out there. So you're going to have to make more of what you're given in certain opportunities. And then for us, I think we're needing that in the offense that we have at Notre Dame where the play may be getting us only six, but we need 10 for a first down. That four-yard difference is made up through having it factor players and dynamic players, and Deuce can do that. Fourth and one against Ohio State, Deuce ain't running out of bounds. He ain't running out of bounds. 
he's getting the first. And what is so important is that, yeah, the arm talent is there. All I need to see is you being able to push the ball down the field. Can the ball get up and down? Up and down. Meaning, is it floating out the in the air like a hot air balloon? Or are you getting it up and down like that play right there? Put it in the bucket. So I do love the fact that we have the athletic dynamic ability to make up for when the play isn't perfect and the defense got you. What did you also, say? I, yeah, go ahead, because I, I know you had something when you're talking about his drop. Also, yeah, this is what he'll learn. Obviously, Gino Caduli can work on day one, speeding up your drop. This is Division One football. Being on time is more important than anything, and that comes from your feet. Like, for instance, you don't catch punts with your hands. You catch punts with your feet, meaning you have to get under the football, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Tyree trying to catch with his hands and not catching with his feet, let the ball come to him and hit him right in the face. Unacceptable. But going back to sense of urgency, that's the one thing that I hope Gino Caduli notices is that his he just has to speed everything up. Now, it does help that you're 6'5 and all of that, but when you have a sense of urgency in your drop, you'll play way more consistent, You'll be on way more timing, and your anticipation is there. When you can beat the receiver's route with your feet, with your drop, that's anticipation. Because you're ready to throw before they're there. When you're slowly, anytime you slowly drop like that as a quarterback, that tells me you read in the play as you're going. Can't do that. You have to have a sense of urgency to get back there and then have a plan of action. You trying to come up with a plan of action as you drop, you're automatically late. This is why getting comfortable with the offense matters so much because when you know what you're doing, you're fast as hell You because you, 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 you know what's coming. When you don't know what you're doing, you slow and you hesitate and you hold on to the football. But when you know what you're doing and you're comfortable in the offense and you're taking the rep hundreds of times, you're fast to it because you know what's coming and you know you have to hit a certain spot, be on time right when it needs to be. But that takes reps, and that's and that's something that Deuce himself has to be conscious of only because you can't play slow and then play fast and think you're going to be a consistent passer. That's all I'm saying. When you get back in this slow, methodical drop back stuff, your passing mechanics don't always serve you well because you're going slow, fast, slow. When you stay at a nice pace and you're quick and you're decisive, the ball comes out way more accurately and you're able to put it in positions where you really want it. Now, in high school, he can get away with a lot more because he's dynamically athletic and he's electrifying but in college what he'll if he wants to be an all-american freshman sense of urgency is what i would say but other than that he's got all the other intangibles 
He's got a bigger arm than anybody we got on the roster, probably. I like Kenny's arm. I I even like CJ's arm. I think CJ's more of a like my honest opinion of CJ is that I don't know how much better he can get. Like I think he's one of those kids that's just he's he is what he is. I don't see him jumping leaps and bounds forward athletically or arm talent wise or anything like that. I think surrounding with enough pieces, he'll look he'll look pretty good. Deuce is a guy that I think can make leaps and bounds as the years goes on because who knows how athletic he can really be, right? CJ's like, he ain't getting faster for real. I mean, you know, you get more in shape, probably get a little bit bigger. But we like what you serve us. You give us good accuracy. You know, you may not have a cannon, but if you have a fast dude, you can make him look good, that kind of thing. Kenny's more of the, what I like is because he can give you everything that you want and make it look a lot easier. You know how some guys can just make things look easy? Mm-hmm. And that passion, man, you you make me feel like I can throw the ball. <laughs> right? You know how them, some of them quarterbacks, they throw so good. You be like, man, you make me feel like I go out there. and Like Pat Mahomes make people feel like that. I watch Pat Mahomes. I'm like, are they even trying against Pat? Or Because he, he's just out there just, just making it look easy. So yeah. I think Kenny's one of those guys that can make it look easy. Because he can, he's so talented with his arm, not talented in his super arm strength, but talented on layering the football, knowing how to give different passes to help receivers, this, that, and the third. Dudes, I think, can develop a skill like that over time. But his electrifying ability, where we may call a couple pass plays, but he takes off, is just as good. You know, you happy with whatever he can make out of the play. CJ is more of a guy where you're like, all right, you're going to read that one, two, three, and but and be consistent on it. Kenny's like, man, that was just a, a freaking dime. <laughs> that was that's a good, that's a good pass play. Very, yeah. very, very uh accurate and on time of what we need. Deuce is that home run hitter. We may call a slants and he just run around, scramble, and find a dude deep, and we, oh yeah, we ESPN, you know. Maybe not on time from the footwork, and, but you can't tackle him. He's tall. He's big. He's going to run away from you. Hard to bring down, but can extend plays, make it off schedule, whatever, run. So that's more to work with, in my opinion, as a coach. But the other two, I think if we do it right and we have confidence in what we're doing, and not jerking around with all these transfers and looking for a fourth so bad, I think we can do it the right way where they can all get in and grow all along with each other. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, 
or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Lucky Lefty Podcast. That goes back to the poll question where Notre Dame fans spoke up at 56%, believing that Notre Dame should go to the portal to get a depth quarterback. Because you can't have a you, – you need four quarterbacks for a college football program. You just do. They have five arms in the spring. At minimum, you need four, right? Because you got your top two guys working with the ones and twos. Your three is the scout team. And, heck, if somebody gets injured, yeah, you need that fourth guy to be able to step in and at least run the scout team. So That's what the number 16 dude is. I keep forgetting the brother. Yeah. Name. yeah. What's his name? Um... Keep talking. I'll get his name. Yeah, so I think that, you know, let him say if he a preferred walk-on, you should be serving that scout team, you know, mighty, mighty heavily, which goes back to just the confidence and what you have in that room. We went into the season with three people, 2012, no, 2013. Three people, me, Tommy, and, and Hendricks. That was uh, it. Dylan Devazine. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Out of from New Orleans, he should be yeah, serving the scout. Or, well, like I said, they had five arms in the spring. Tyler left; they ended up with four. Kenny is the scout team guy right now, and uh, you know, if, if somebody transfers, if Angeli transfers, then yo. Now we have three arms in the building. So. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess the the quota is to get four, but hell, we block pretty well. Yo, <laughs> somebody said, ask the question as we get ready to get out of here. Who was the wide receiver coach during your time in Notre Dame? Uh, Denbrock. Yeah, it's Denbro. Hold on, he was wide receiver, but you know Denbro is a is a coordinator, so mm-hmm. he was running his individual drills based on offense. <laughs> you know, he was running these routes based on these plays, so he wasn't necessarily developing Will Fuller. You know, it was more like Will's fast. I know <laughs> how to call plays, and hell, if they put a slow corner on him, we call him that go route. He don't need a bunch of cone drills, you know. But also at that time, the receiver room was self-motivated. We, they were some some true go-getters. Not saying that the ones we have aren't, because I'm not around them. I don't know. But in that room, when I was there, it was like, man, they was pushing each other. I mean, we we had Torrey Hunter Jr. not getting no time like he should, and he was good. Bro, y'all, you guys had you talk about speed. You guys had Stepherson. Will Jefferson, Jefferson, Will, Miles Boykin, and and Chase Claypool, Breezy, Amir. The only one that wasn't fast was Corey Robinson, but we only used them in areas. 
and he was just stretch Armstrong on the corners. I mean, it was just amazing to watch. But I'm like, your dad's David Robinson. Like, even if you don't, you know, come across as an athlete, you're an athlete, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're David Robinson's son. <laughs> Man. And he showed every bit of it any chance he got. But he was never like a... Man, what an interesting receiver that was, Corey Robinson, man. He yeah. wasn't fast for real, but, man, you throw that thing in his area and you're coming down with it. That radius is crazy. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Look, Brady Quinn has a show on Fox Sports Radio with LeVar Arrington, and LeVar Arrington thought it was time and thought James Franklin needed protection. And, uh, oh, boy. He started capping from the beginning, left. Oh, man. Let me reboot this, man. Because I've got to make sure I get this. This has to. James Franklin must be married to the AD's daughter, man, because he he got it good in there. Because, I mean, what's it going to take for them to let him go? Man. I mean, they don't even talk about him being on no hot seat, and they be losing game after game no. after game. No hot seat at all. But they don't. Oh. They, but he's not urban. He got, he got, he, he, he what is he, a 10-year guy there now? Mm. And ain't got nothing to show for it. They don't even have a conference championship. Penn State don't even have a conference championship, and he's had to have been there for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won the Big Ten conference championship Win. with the uh, – It wasn't no Christian little, Hackenberg. No, no, no. The little quarterback. You know, Ooh, number nine. Oh, number Tracy nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they – that was one. That was Saquon's year. So, okay, one year they won the Big Ten championship. Yeah. That's when they played USC with Sam Darnold and all them. Yeah. And Saquon went crazy. And, yeah. Okay. There's been this this kind of way of creating a narrative where we have to be just like Michigan or we have to be just like Ohio State, and we're Penn State. So you can't sit there and say, oh, you didn't beat Ohio State. No, that's for Michigan. Michigan created that narrative. You have to be the coach that can beat Ohio State at Michigan. Oh, you can't beat Michigan. You got, it. You got John Cooper done. Well, that's Ohio State for Michigan. The problem I have is that we have a coach that, keep in mind, and it's been, we're a decade removed from it, but people soon forget that our our program was on the blink. And when I say it was on the blink, how we talked about, you know, flat tire and this, that, and the other earlier on in the show. You're on blocks. Our car didn't even have tires. Thank you. Our car didn't even have tires. Then this man came in and rejuvenated. Like, be clear, in a great time, it's hard to recruit players to go to Penn State. In a great time, let alone what? a dark time where something super bad happens, where it it stains and hurts the reputation of the university. Happen, man. So this, the problem I have yeah, is this Parsons. man is, okay, so he doesn't have a great record against top five teams. He, he doesn't have a great record against Michigan and Ohio State. But but the problem I run into is, one, we judge we judge our coach, and we haven't had many, but we had two coaches post-Joe, and we judge them based off of what what we do against Ohio State and Michigan. We judge them based when, off when what I matters. think about <laughs> Joe didn't beat Michigan or Ohio State either. 
I didn't get a win against Michigan. Not one. We didn't beat Michigan. So don't stop stop comparing him to Joe. That's that's the first thing. Then the second thing, second thing I kind of run into and 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 I kind of like get kind of bothered. I had a pause right there, dog. What is this? Man, what are you about? talking? Joe Paterno beat one of the most historically dominant teams for a national championship. He beat Vinny Testaverde and the Miami Hurricanes, dude. What are you talking about? What what are we talking about? Man. Bothered by is you can look at the resources that go into Michigan and Ohio State football and compare them. Just pull the finances and compare how the resources that go into Ohio State football and the resources that go into Michigan football to, to Penn State. You got all these people bitching and moaning and groaning and and flapping their gums about what jo, uh, what what uh, James can't do and what James didn't get done and how he's he needs to go and this that and other. What do you think the new the next coach is going to do? Because he's going to run into the same issues. So put your money where your flapping gums are. It's nil. Stop making excuses. Nil period of time. Donate money. Do what you need to do so that you can help the team and the facilities and what's going on resource-wise so that we can get uh, 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 Marvin Harrison Jr. So, so we can get the type of guys that you're looking for. And we can have, by the way, the coaching staffs that these guys are looking for. You, got, you go look at Alabama and the resources they have. Look at their coaching staff. They have like two, three coaches for every position. Like, literally, you're outside linebacker, you got the main coach that's coaching outside linebackers, and you got, like, two, two uh, what are they called, quality control dudes, which, by the way, analysts, analysts, oh, yeah. which, by the way, they're probably more knowledgeable than the guy that's coaching because it's generally a LeVar Arrington or a Brady Quinn that are, are those guys, analysts that are working to be- learn it to become coaches themselves. So my, that's my my only problem is that man lost two games last year and y'all want to fire him. Like you sound like a freaking moron. <laughs> he lost two games and by the way, his two losses so far this year, both teams were ranked number 3 at the time. I've never heard somebody cop so many pleas. And say so many, so many things that you have to scratch your head and be like, well, that's why he's there, right? I mean, I'm sure you don't go into the Big Ten and say we are not thinking about Michigan and Ohio State and beating them because that's their battle. Well, what are you? Well, like what are you? Your, your <laughs> mantra for the program is we are Penn State. Except when we play Ohio State. In yeah, except when we play the teams that are better than us. We are Penn State, <laughs> except when we play Ohio State and Michigan. Like, because we that's, have that's, no that's, expectations to beat no. Ohio State and Michigan. Even no. though Joe Pa would beat the Miami Hurricanes. Even though Joe Pa would walk in the South End and beat Rocket Ismail, Lou Holtz, and the Fighting Irish. James Franklin? No. We can't expect him. It's the alumni's fault. You don't give enough money. The facilities are bad. He said it's hard to recruit good players to Penn State during a great time. 
Barkley. <laughs> Saquon Barkley was pretty great. Michael Parsons, pretty great. Hell, they got some pretty great O-linemen and D-linemen right now. They have some great defensive players right now. They great have running backs. Great right running now. backs right now. <laughs> they, they have, have a great top, five, top five offensive tackle right <laughs> now. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think he just basically was like, let this man be average. Because what can you find better he, than that? Forget, forget he's a bad in-game coach. Yeah, in-game coach is terrible. In-game, yeah. I'm glad you said in-game because that's what it's about. This dude, he lost two games last year, and people want to fire him. Yeah, He lost to the same teams they keep losing to. And if what? you are cool with being in third place in the Big Ten. Always. And fine. And it's funny because Ryan Day is getting flack and being asked to get fired for losing twice to the same team. Twice. James Franklin couldn't handle that heat at Ohio State. James Franklin would be like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's okay if we lose to Michigan every year. It's okay. That's That's somebody else's problem. So, I think that takes the wind out of anything from a momentum standpoint. Of what the if I was a player on that team, I would have been like, man, I need to transfer. Because what's the point? If we if you telling me right now it's all right to lose to these teams every year and not even expect to be in the same arena, you just show up for Saturday. That's not good enough. You don't get no credit for that. And that's why you can go 10 and 2 and still be fired. Because they're like, bro, you don't even, you know the games on the schedule that's going to be the challenges that we're going to be watching. We're not watching you versus Minnesota and Purdue and these these milk toast teams. We're not watching Rutgers. We're we watching two games out the year. And they always hype them up like they're going to be some competitive thing, and they never are. Never. Never close. And hell, don't let Wisconsin get better because then y'all be behind them. It was kind of had to fall off for y'all to be number three. Y'all really was number four or five. Mm-hmm. So y'all got three by default because Wisconsin bowed out. But before that, y'all was a four or fifth place team in the in the division. I mean in the conference. And hell, don't you throw USC and UCLA in there, you probably gonna be worse than that. <laughs> so James Franklin is right. not, that, not that West division is going to be totally different next year, oh, oh yeah, it's going to be way USC, different. UCLA, Washington. Oh yeah, oh, Washington's Big Ten too. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yeah. Oregon. J- yeah, James ain't gonna make it, man. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it was it's cool when you only got two teams you getting busted by. Mm-hmm. Now James Franklin is the dude. James Franklin is the dude that gets to the party early because he knows once the athletes start getting there, it's over with. It's a wrap. You better go grab what you can early. Yeah, yeah. you better get there like eight eight thirty, nine o'clock, dog. Having having the drinks ready for him. Have one in your hand, get one as, in the other hand. Get as and many numbers as you can, bro. Because it it will 
Okay. Once the, once the athletes walk in with the varsity jackets. Yep. Once the athletes walk in and them lights get lower, it's over yeah, for you. Man. You go in where the lights is on, you you just chatting it up. You got a space to walk and talk and get get to know people. But once it hit about that 10 o'clock, it's getting thick in that thing. And then, and then players roll up. Yeah, man, it's time for you to roll out. <laughs> it is over. The players ain't they like we ain't doing a bunch of sweating. Slow this down. Play some slow dance. That's right. Oh yeah, you ain't you can't dance. No, nah, I ain't. We ain't doing all this sweating. <laughs> we ain't come here to do that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what you say? What you say? Turn, turn all that fast music down, man. Let's get something really going in this thing. Dim the lights. Yeah, it, it's. And that's play some, it, play some, play some juvie slow motion or something. That's right, and, and it's funny because. That's when James Franklin's like, well, we're not expected to do anything in here because I can't compete with that. That's Man. what Penn State's saying. Man. When it get to the good stuff, when it get to the the, the the end of the night, James Franklin said, I'm going home, brother. I didn't have my phone. <laughs> but yeah, I ain't never heard somebody cop. I hope somebody cop please like that for Marcus Freeman. And then Brady next to him, like, yeah, yeah, like Brady, man, stop. Man, stop. Brady, man, he been... Brady, he been first of the, all, this is the, the most... Remember when this was the most talented team he's seen at Notre Dame in a while? Remember that? Remember yeah. that? Brady's had a tough... Brady's had a tough year, man. Got a tough year. Yeah, his takes... Uh, his takes uh, have been, it's been, it's been very noticeable. Like, I don't know about this one, Brady. Most talented yeah. team, yeah. Mm. talented team scoring seventeen points and losing to Louisville. And we're the reason why like, Louisville's even ranked that high. Mm. I mean, seriously, we're the only reason why they're even considered anything. They lost. To, they lost. The, they lost the pit, bro. Oh my god! Don't say that too loud, man. I'll say it again. They lost the pit, bro. <laughs> the team we put fifty-eight on. They lost the pit. But could only put 17 on Louisville. We put 58 on the team y'all lost to. 58. We was probably watching the Louisville tape that week. Just embarrassing. Bruh. That's something that, you know, Edron James, who just launched his podcast, he had Warren Sapp on today. And uh, they were talking about it. And they were talking about how soft with the new rules that's supposed to be keeping guys healthy and you know lowering injuries and they were like man look football is football bro like cats don't play and walk in and immediately go into the transfer portal because you know they both started talking about the name man they can't edrin james started talking about the running backs that were in front of him when he got there as a freshman yeah, he understood. And I was like. Well, that was he, like Clinton. But he, was, but he was like, yo, that was the culture. Like, dude, I wasn't going nowhere. He's like, the culture was compete. Yeah. That was the culture. Compete. And Warren Sapp was like, dude, he started naming the defenders he had. And he was like, duh. I had national champions cats, like, on defense line, dude. Defensive line. Like, I ain't going nowhere. Like, we we competing. He's like, I was on the bench against Nebraska. 
in the national championship game. He does like that. You know, he's like, I didn't walk in in the all season saying, Coach, I'm a transfer. You know what I'm saying? He said, You got coach. He said, Man, I heard a cat walk in Nick Saban's office like, Man, I'm going to need half a meal. He said, Nick Saban, dude. How you tell Nick Saban? He said, Dude, the rabbit has the gun now. Like, these kids can just walk in and tell coaches, like, Hey, They started saying five thousand for a visit. Man, if I don't get a bag, man, I'm out of here. Was it supply and demand? Man, look here, bro. Man, let me tell you something. Bro. Good chance of playing the lottery. Man. Yes. Hey, we gave you two shows today, man. That's what we do. Left. Good to see him back on the left coast. We'll catch you tomorrow. Left. I can't do 11 o'clock. I got some errands in the morning. Yep. But afternoon, we're good. We'll post it. Yep. And then uh, we'll break down Wake Forest. Not much to break down, but hey. We'll give it a shot. Been giving them way too much credit too. Talking about they do some <laughs> special things on what? Marcus Freeman. This is Notre Dame. This ain't. This ain't. You know your local community college. Oh man! Some you know what time things. it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Nora Whiskey at whiskey.com and MalikZaire.com, along with all of your traveling needs, MalikZaire.com. Um, punch the tickets of Mace and Cameron. <laughs> all of you know that Joe Smith, former number one overall pick, NBA player, you saw the viral video with him and his wife arguing over her fans' only page. Well, Mace and Cameron have a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And on the <laughs> podcast, they interviewed Joe Smith's wife about a week ago. And uh, Cam was flirting with Joe Smith's wife. <laughs> so Mace decided to take it a step further this week. And Mace invited her to the show. To give that cat Cameron a massage during the show. During the show, <laughs> I've never seen that cat Cameron pause, come out of his shirt as fast as he did. <laughs> that cat Cameron was like, "Yo, how you doing? Oh, oh, word! <laughs> All right." <laughs> and then they asked the questions: Would he be okay with this if he saw this? <laughs> 
<laughs> She's giving the massage. What would so are you trying to get back together with him? Where y'all at him? <laughs> what may say, well he be okay with what you doing this right now. <laughs> knowing damn well he invited her and everything. But she been wilding too. She been doing other stuff that's crazy too, man. That's, listen, Joe. Sometimes it's best to just leave it alone, bro. <laughs> Point of return at this point. It just it's gotten too big. Well, if you watch Joe's interview on Vlad, because he did an interview with Vlad, he said, Yo, I haven't spoken to her since I left the crib that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, rightfully so, man. Because I don't know if you can at this point. It seems like she out here like full fledged, ready to like embarrass that brother right now. Oh, yeah, ready. Ready. And you I'm know gonna... Mace, you know Mace probably put five stacks in her pocket it wasn't it wasn't nothing big for him but it was mm -hmm. big for her mm -hmm. and it just shows that if it's big enough i know joe i mean you know he knew what he was getting into before i suppose so it sucks that uh when you think you're at the end of the road and then you realize it's only beginning <laughs> You thought you was going to ride off into the sunset. <laughs> but you just getting off the exit ramp, dog. <laughs> Yo, this cat. This cat. This cat Cameron, bro. I mean, <laughs> laid on the table. <laughs> bro, that man came out of this shirt. Oh, man. Draymond putting dudes in chokehold. I've never seen that before. I'm surprised that's not a bigger story. You know, as much as they try to make the league so soft, he literally was dragging him away, putting him in a sleeper chokehold. That was pretty crazy. Hey, man, look. <laughs> Yo. Dude, it's Rudy Gobert, bro. It's Rudy Gobert, man. It's, it's Rudy Gobert unless something like that happens. Hey, but let me tell you something. Draymond's been on one. I don't know if you caught the Cleveland Golden State game over the weekend. He got a, a tech for uh, him and uh, Don, Don, Donovan Mitchell got into it. Yeah, this, he uh, talking this, that hey, crazy. This man told Donovan Mitchell, I don't do all that talk, talking. I'll fight you. I'll fight you right now. Dude, they, like, the, the teens are standing there waiting for the refs to look at the video. This dude was like, dude, because Donovan Mitchell's talking. He chatted. Draymond he said, you didn't is like, see what I, he see what I did to Jordan? <laughs> I know you. I would do it to you. See, that's because, you know. Draymond said, man, I don't do all that talking. I'll fight you right now. <laughs> And they had Donovan looked at his teammates like, yo, this dude is bugging. It's like, hey, man. <laughs> that guy Draymond is a real one, bro. I guess. Well, he he, no, 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 no. If you go to East Lansing and add, dude, that guy Draymond has like multiple stories of knocking cats out. When it, he's in college. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's crazy. Some dudes get away with it, some don't. 
hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow, man. Sweet dreams, man. Make sure you spend it different. Oh, 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 oh,